to golf better at Edwin Wants Golf. Episode number 98. Hello, everyone. My name is Tom Purcell. Thanks so much for joining us. Whether you're a frequent flyer on the Starship Golf Better or this is your first voyage, either way, we're glad you're with us. You know, the Florida swing has swung through the state. The tour is out the shell. Houston Open this week. Next week, it's at the Masters. Boy, how, how time flies. Also, who has swung through? Technical specialist Kenny Nicholson is out on assignment. But joining us here today is senior sales executive here at Edwin Watts Golf, Mr. John Raymer. John, thanks so much for taking time with us. My pleasure. Thank when you I say me. senior, I'm not in the age. I'm, I'm talking time with a company. You and I were going through that the other day. It's been a while, right? When, when did you start? Uh, 1978. 1978. There were DVDs back then? Uh, no DVDs. CD players? A uh, few CD players. <laughs> Real to real. My, my boys like to always tell me, they say, Dad, when you were growing up, there wasn't even a VCR. And I say, yeah, but we had the Beatles. And then we had Elvis, and they were both alive. That's it. <laughs> hey, going back, when you started, you were one of Edwin's you know, original employees. We want to talk a little bit today on club fitting. And, boy, th- things have really changed. Because back when, when you were in the store with Edwin, I mean, you just literally grabbed clubs off a rack right talk about that oh sure we basically just fit them for for shaft flex and maybe length but uh, there was very very little uh, lie angle adjustment uh, available at that time i think ping was probably the first company to really come through and and really push the lie angle adjustments uh and and fitting customers because they felt like that was probably the best way to be a more consistent golfer so when somebody came in if you saw they were tall or short that was obviously your first guess but it wasn't Really that easy either because the clubs came off the rack, and back then you probably had to do a lot of it yourself, right? No, a lot of it was done ourselves. Manufacturers did very little custom work at that particular time. Everything was just sort of geared to standard production runs and and massive amounts of golf clubs. They, they didn't do a whole lot of custom unless you were a tour player. Yeah, like you said, Ping probably the first one, but if you looked around, I'm trying to imagine the old pro shop in my mind. You had the first flight clubs up, the Walter Hagens, the Palmers, and... And almost everything was sold in sets back then, right? Everything was sets. Everything was uh, just a few individual sandwiches. There was no approach wedges, gap wedges, uh, whatever you want to call them, uh, the fill-in wedges. Everything was just a sandwich. There was no lob wedge at that time either. It was just a sandwich or a one iron or two iron that was uh, separate from the set. But the basic set came a three through a pitching wedge, and the woods came as a set. There was a one, three, and five, or one, three, four, and five wood. It all came in one box. So, Well, back then, all you had was a... A driving range and to visually look at ball flight and boy how things have changed now changed drastically i mean uh, the teaching at that time was not with visual aids uh, that came along a few years later people started having the, the first uh, cameras where they could video your swing and it wasn't very super slow motion but it, it the technical equipment has come along and, and made everybody a better player or a more consistent player, let's put it that way. Well, talk about that because where we were back then, obviously, no launch monitors, no simulators, steel shafts, and everything, and doing your own, your own fixing and ping, basically being the the original in in, in really kind of club fitting based on height and uh, and and lie angle and whatnot, but. Where we're at today with everything, it's it's completely gone full circle. It completely gone full circle. I mean, the average player, and when I refer to average player, I mean it's it's somebody that loves the game of golf, wants to be better, but they don't have time to put into the game. So you have to fit them to their swing and not fit a swing to them. You know? Right. So you, you do your best to get them the right flex, the right lie angle, um, just just so they can become a more consistent player. It doesn't make them 
become a you know, might not reduce their handicap significantly at that particular time, but over a period of time they'll get a little bit better and a little bit more consistent with with their game. Well, from what I've heard, two things: the, the one of the best things in the world is a new set of clubs, but one of the worst things in the world is having a new set of clubs that's not right for you. That's exactly right. Yeah, you, know, you get the wrong lie angle or the wrong flex. The flex, I think, is one of the key things as well. I mean, a lot of people go to, a lot of people say I'm not a good player, so I want to I want a regular flex, but they might swing at 100 miles an hour. A regular flex doesn't do them any good. So right right off the bat, they're they're in. You know, in the hole on that particular uh, purchase. Senior sales professional John Raymer joining us here on on Golf Better Podcast. John, let's talk about two types of fitting. One is face to face fitting. Let's go to that one first. When a customer uh, buys a set of clubs or is looking to buy a set of clubs, they go into one of our stores or to a demo day or something like that. It's it's going to be a lot different. Talk about what the customer. as far as an investment on that, on their part, it's an investment in time, really. It's not really any money because most of the times this is done uh, professionally and, and consultively, but it's an investment in time that's going to pay off down the road. Well, I mean, it, it, it's his investment in time because then he finds out what he is going to be best suited for. And then he can decide which clubs he wants to do, but the, the fitting is going to be pretty much the same. There might be a little bit of difference in the specs of each particular club, but he knows yeah. he's going to have what shaft flex he's going to have, what angle he's going to need. So even if he decides not to buy at that time, it's he still knows what he needs to do, or he can take his existing yeah. clubs and have them converted mm-hmm. to what he needs them. So yeah, it's an investment time that's worth his while. When he or she is out there, let's talk about what they're going to go through. Obviously, they're going to be hitting uh, a lot of shots with one club and then some and, and other clubs. But what that fitter is looking for as far as launch angle and ball flight. Well, they, they look for the spin on the golf ball, especially if you driver. You look for the spin. You want to get the exact right spin so they know which, what shaft to put you into and what uh, what loft to put you into. So those are things going to help to control the flight of the golf ball and give you maximum distance. Spin on the golf ball and the driver. Obviously, golf balls have changed a lot, but too much spin is going to get a, get, a ballooning effect. Too much spin is going to give you a ballooning effect. Ball is going to go up and come straight down. Whereas you want you want to look for the optimum spin, amount of, and I believe it's around twelve hundred to fourteen hundred RPM. If you can get in that range, it gets you the optimum height for the most carry. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not necessarily a bad thing to get height. It's a good thing to get the right height and the carry on the golf ball. So. Mm-hmm. Talk about lie angle. If you're too upright or you're too flat, what what kind of effect that can have on your game and your and your shots? If, if you have too flat a lie angle, that means when you're swinging down at the golf ball, the heel is hitting the club for hitting the ground first. When that hits, it stops the action of the heel and closes the toe. So you end up so your toes up in the air a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah, toes up in the air a little bit, and 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 you'll hit the heel. And then when there's no resistance on the toe, it closes it down, and then you start pulling a lot of shots mm-hmm. or pull hook depending on the the angle of your swing if you vice versa if you push a lot of shots and the the toe is digging into the ground the heel is off the ground at impact then it'll open up the heel and you'll push a lot of shots so Mm -hmm. it's it's very important to get the proper lie angle to try to get the club to transition through the turf a little bit easier you mentioned earlier about no gap wedge back in the day Mm -hmm. and how important it is uh, to fill those gaps in your pitching wedge sandwich, that, that range. Talk about where so many people at times tend to miss out a little bit there. Well, most of your clubs have gotten to be about three to four degrees stronger than they were back when I started selling golf clubs. Uh, so you had a pitching wedge that was probably 49 or 50 degrees. Well, now your pitching wedges are 44, 45, 46 degrees. So you go to a standard sandwich, which was 56 degrees, so you got an eight to nine degree gap 
So they had to come up with another golf club, and there's where your gap wedge, your utility wedge comes in. Any idea why they've become stronger? Is it mostly people want to hit the ball further, and that's what the manufacturers give them? Or just, you know? I think eventually that's what happened. Then all of a sudden people started selling golf clubs. Well, look how much further I can hit this golf club. Well, I, I used to hit it, uh, you know, an 8-iron. Now I can hit a 9-iron that distance. Yeah. But you basically had a 9-iron because they, they strengthened the loft. Yeah. Or, or, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, a few years ago, we saw some manufacturers come out in the wood side of the house with making clubs draw bias. And also, we have movable weight technology in, in, in different clubs. That can come into play in fitting as well, is it correct? Oh, well, certainly. But now, the you don't have to be as accurate in some of these uh, where you can have the movable weights because now the consumer can, if he's starting to push the ball or, or draw the ball or fade the ball, he can change his weighting around some. But it, it's a, it actually probably makes it a little bit easier to fit some mm-hmm. people because you can put them in a golf club and say, this is what you need. Their swing can change a little bit. Then all of a sudden, instead of hooking the ball, they might be hitting it straighter, even with a little bit of fade. They might need to adjust their club out so they can hit the ball straighter. So, but uh, yeah, the clubs that you know, like the draw bias golf clubs for a t- uh, player that had a tendency to slice the ball, I think that has been very beneficial because a lot of people hated the look of an offset club, which was designed to do the same mm-hmm. thing. So they start coming up with draw bias clubs or the movable weight technology. So it doesn't really have the look. Of an off, a big monster offset. That's but, correct. But it'll help the club get through, so you won't be leaving shots out to the right. That's as much, correct. correct. Yes. Interesting. And, and it's not perfect. I mean, you can still do those things. It just again the consistency. What you're looking for as a golfer is try to be a little bit more consistent with your game. So it just helps a little bit with consistency. John, we, we you talked a little bit about fitting in person. Now, what you do a lot of now, I mean, your career the last dozen, 20 years or so, has been consulting with people when you're not face-to-face with them. And I got a question here from uh, Gary Griggs in, in Plain Dealing, Louisiana, and he asked, I need to get fit for a club. I'm about an hour from your Shreveport store. I can't get down there. How, I hear you guys talk about doing that on the phone. How can you do that without having the simulators and launch monitors? How can you fit me on the phone? Great question, and I think that's where you kind of start is you start asking questions, right? Sure. We, we, we sort of ask them, uh, what, of course, what their average club head speed. We can't put them on a launch monitor, of course, so we ask them if they if they know their club head speed. If they don't know their club head speed, we might ask them, what iron do you hit from 150 yards to the green? And that will give us a, a little bit of an idea of what kind of club head speed they would carry. Which is going to mean shaft flex. Which is going right, to mean right, for the right, shaft yeah, flex. Yeah. And then we'll ask them what their shot pattern is. Their consistent shot pattern. You know, mm-hmm. the, they might hit one right one time and then two left. But we want a consistent shot pattern, whether you're pulling everything to the left or whether you're hooking everything badly. And then we can pretty much try to design a lie angle for them. I also would ask them their height, uh, mm-hmm. so that would give us a bearing. And the old ping way was your fingertip to floor measurement. That gives us somewhat of an idea of where we might be able to start. There's no guarantee we're going to get it absolutely right, but we can get you pretty close by fitting you over the phone. And that's pretty important, too, the fingertip to floor, because you could have somebody who's a taller person, yet have longer arms, and they really might not need extra length, correct? That's exactly right. I've got a good friend of mine, six foot six, but he's got very short arms, so he needs a very upright golf club uh, and and quite a bit extra length. But, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, myself, I'm six two, and I pretty much can take a standard because I've got very long arms, mm-hmm. so... 
Also on the phone with the customer, some other questions you might ask. You talked about their height. You talked about uh, uh, swing speed or what they hit from 150 yards. A lot of that might be uh, along with what are they playing now, right, or what they've played in the past. That's exactly right. We need to know what shaft flex they are using at the present time to determine that club head speed with that 8-iron. So Mm -hmm. to see whether we need to keep them in that or whether we need to get them to go something more flexible. And you're asking customers how far they hit an 8-iron, probably, or a 7-iron, or what you hit from 150. You get in that with a driver as well. Do you ask them how far they hit a driver? We do. We ask them the driver, and, and we depend on, on very truthful information to, to really put you in the right driver. I mean, if you exaggerate how far you hit it, then we can't put you in the right driver sometimes. So <laughs> yeah, we need to, yeah. we need to give, give us within plus or minus. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, that's a, and even on your 8-iron, a lot of people try to fudge on how far I hit it. And if, if you don't give us the right information and we sell you a club based on the wrong information, then, then you're not going to be happy. So, And when you're, once you're trying to pin down shaft type and flex and whatnot, I guess another question I've heard just around, are, are there any type of arthritic conditions or anything like that? And a lot of that might determine steel, steel graphite. Right? Steel or graphite shaft. Graphite has a little bit more dampening to it. It's just not as rigid or on on-off center uh, shot, so you don't have as much vibration. Uh, and also, if you've if you got a little bit of arthritis, your hands might be a little bit sore. You can go with a little bit oversized grips, but you have to be careful when you do that because then you sort of take the, the hands out of the play of the shot. So. Why do you think more players aren't playing graphite shafts in their irons? Is it because of a kind of a peer pressure what they see on tour of their friends, or is it just that they prefer steel? I think if you swing pretty hard, I think you still prefer steel. I think that uh, the graphites have become so much better than they used to be, and and they and and I know a lot of good players that do play graphite that aren't of the age yet that I guess the perception was when you went to graphite because you got older and you lost club head speed. But uh, there are some good graphites right now that, that might have a little bit better feel for some players. Um, gosh, I, I know I still prefer steel shafted golf clubs and on, on my uh, on my irons, but I definitely have uh, my graphites and uh, shaft and the hybrids and my driver. So I just think the, the irons feel better to me with steel, with shaft. steel shaft. So yeah. I think it's a feel factor. John, with regard to uh, forged versus uh, cavity back irons, how do you get into that question? Normally, a better player might be leaning more toward forged clubs, right? A better player generally does lead towards forged clubs because he wants a little bit more feel, and that's, I think, a forged club gives you a little bit more feel. It doesn't have quite as big a sweet spot. Uh, as a cast club would have, uh, so it, uh, and, and a better player likes the looks of a little bit more compact blade. Mm-hmm. And even if it's a cavity back forged, I mean, there's still a, more of a compact looking blade. And and it's hard to, to rationalize. You know, are, are you a better player? Because a lot of people that are 17 handicappers want to go with those forged clubs. And not that we try to talk them out of it, we just give them the pros and cons of what a good forged club would be versus a good cast club for them. A, a couple years ago, John, hybrids started cutting a couple years ago, maybe eight or ten years ago, started yeah, coming into play. And now, uh, I mean, there used to be one or two hybrids in, in a bag for a, a typical player. Are you seeing more and more of that going down into the mid-irons? Uh, definitely. I see a, a more your twos, or well, hardly anybody plays a two-iron or even manufactures right. a two-iron anymore. But uh, I see a lot of three and four and a lot of five-irons going into the bag. A lot of set makeups are coming with five-iron, number five hybrids, and starting with a six-iron. And if you recall in the tournament this past week, even Choi put a, a, a five uh, hybrid in his bag, and his uh, longest iron in his bag was a six iron. 
Wow. So, I mean, if these guys know it, it means a lot of money to them to, to hit good, accurate shots. And, and if you remember, one of the best hybrids you ever saw last year was in the uh, PGA tournament when um, Y.E. Yang, right? Yang uh, yeah. hit one over top of a tree within about six feet of the hole. So, Well, John, the one thing a player does not want to do, like we said, is buy a new set of clubs and, and buy the wrong set of clubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk to the listeners out there everything has evolved the internet's evolved and all that but you and what you do and and your compadres back there on the sales team play a very important role in the organization talk about what you do consultively with your customers because i think they love customers love hearing from you guys well i mean the first thing you try to do is create a relationship with them i mean they they might ask you a lot of times they ask you what's the best club for me and it it it's really difficult to tell somebody what the best club for them is going to be without ever seeing them swing. So you try to get their confidence, find out what what they personally like the looks of uh, and that they've seen so far, and then we'll talk about those particular golf clubs. But I think the worst thing we can do is just tell them, hey, this, this tailor-made's the best thing for you, that Cleveland's the best thing for you. We can give them an evaluation. Because it is tough not to be able to have be face to face with them. And of the calls you get a day, what percentage would you say start out with a question from the customer? Uh, just about every one of just them. Just about every one yeah. of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. so. They want to know what you guys think. All want to know what's best for them, and probably want to know what you've heard and what you've what you've hit too. Right? Sure. Yeah. They, they, yeah. They, they, that's probably one of the primary questions. Have you hit this club, and what do you think of it? And. Um, and there's a lot of clubs I hit that I like, but I don't necessarily would would probably play because right. uh, to me it's been a lot of years that cosmetics of a golf club, the way it looks to you as you set up to the golf club, plays a big role in your confidence and whether you can hit that club or not. Mm-hmm. So I've never preferred a thick top line. I always like a thinner top line. So that's I would tend to gravitate towards that particular type of golf club. But there's other people who like that little thicker top line. So you, you sort of have to to feel feel what 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 they're looking for a lot of times you'll get calls from customers too that are asking you what kind of deals you have what's on sale now right is there anything hidden behind the curtain that we don't know about and i'm sure you do get a lot of those i'm sure everybody's money conscious nowadays and and they're looking for the best best club at the best price and um, and i can't blame them i mean i'm when i go out shopping i look for the best Mm -hmm. best deal i can get and you'll be talking to a lot more because you and i are looking at something right in front of us that's going to be hitting homes in the next week or so the hundred page buyers guide. That's correct. Very, very good looking catalog. Yeah, I mean we've got everything from A to Z in here. It's the I believe the largest catalog Evan Watts golf has has ever produced. That I can remember, yes. Yeah, and you've been here the longest of anybody. So this is this is exciting stuff and uh if they want to get one of these catalogs that are not on the list, they can call and, and get one sent to them, correct? That's correct. They can call us, and we can put them on the mailing list and get one to them. That's been great. Thank you, John. It's been fun with you. I want you to help me do one more thing as we close, because each episode, uh, many times manufacturers will donate things for us to give away uh, prizes for lucky listeners. And uh, and this episode is no exception. We have an Adam Speedline F11 driver that's been out there. People have been registering to win. But before we give that away, just want to tell them a little bit how to register to win because you can't play if you don't get in and that's go to our website www.edwinwattsgolf.com scroll about halfway down and click on the golf better podcast and then scroll down and you'll see register to win and that's where you register to win your name address some pertinent information email address where we can contact you if you win the prize the adams 
Speedline F11 driver, wonderfully donated by our good friends at Adams Golf. Mr. Raymer, I'm going to let you do the honors and let that lucky listener know who won the, won the club. Right. It looks like Mark Quinlan of uh, Spokane Valley, Washington. Congratulations. Hey, enjoy it. It's a very, very good driver. Mark, that is awesome. And that speed line, new Speedline driver, we heard Barney Adams talking about it a few weeks ago. Nice, nice club and uh, Spokane Valley, Washington. I'm sure it's going to be golf weather soon, if not there right now. Hopefully very soon. No, uh, John, it's been great, man. It's been great having you on. Last thing again, listeners can call you directly, 1-800-874-0146. If they want to talk to you in person, how do they get to you? Uh, just dial extension 118 after you get into the, into the phone line. And once you're in and once you talk with John, we've said it before, as with all our sales professionals, once you talk to him once, you'll have a friend in the golf business for life. It's a lot of fun. John, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. And to our listeners, thank you so much for joining us again. And join us back in a couple weeks when we have another exciting episode of Golf Better at edwinwattsgolf.com. So long, everyone.